Hello, and welcome to a podcast called Fine Beats and Cheeses. I am Leslie Gray Streeter, author, Baltimore Banner columnist, and a person who likes a good cry. And my co-host is... Lynn Streeter Childress. Um, this thing that we're going to talk about literally had me, and I, told, I wrote our guest and said, I'm crying every 10 minutes on this movie. I wrote it in all caps. And I do theater for young audiences. And yes, and our guest is so exciting. Her name is Christina James. Uh, she is a radio personality on Bright FM in Baltimore. Can you tell us some more about you, Christina James? Well, I am here with two lovely ladies that I've been trying to connect with for 10 years. And I'm so excited. Um, I met Lynn first and then Leslie. And so I was so honored that you reached out and said, hey, you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, say less. I'm here. <laughs> um, let's do it. Uh, yeah. So actually, I um, home is Dallas. I was born in Ohio, but but Dallas is home. We've been there for a really long time. So my family is there my immediate. So whenever I go home, that's, that's it. Dallas. I've been in the Baltimore area for a little over 10 years now, um, because of radio. So I work for Bright FM. We are a contemporary Christian music station and I do the middays there 10 to three Monday through Friday. So, and that's about it. And she's <laughs> amazing. And I always say to my child, I refer to you as, um, Christina from the radio. Um, Aww. and I, I say the same thing to my husband, but my husband actually knows you in real life. But yes, I, I refer <laughs> to you as that. So today we are talking about the, the very, very recent movie starring Tom Hanks called A Man Called Otto, um, which is actually a remake of, I believe it was Swedish. It was called A Man Called Ove. And, and it was based on a book. And interestingly, fun fact, a guy that I was dating in 2017, his mother, who I was friends with at the time, gave me a copy of the book. She goes, oh, you'll love this. And I never read it, but I gave it to my mother. And she loved it. And I don't know if she ever gave it back or not. But um, thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, that family, for that book we never gave back. No, she still has it. <laughs> I knew you guys would know more than I did. I didn't realize that it was a remake, nor did I know that there was a book involved. So that's really good. All the things. And the reason I actually, I knew that it was a remake, sort of, but when I kept looking to see if it was available on any streaming services I had, I kept getting the first one and not this one. Oh, uh, but this okay. was worth paying for it on the Amazon Prime cause video because it was enjoyable. So um, before we start, actually, we usually ask the question, um, what do you think is cheese? But actually, my question is going to be a little different, Christina. And it's when I asked you um, to come up with, you know, what you would want to talk about that maybe you really love, but other people might find cheesy or guilty pleasure. Why did this movie come to your head? Why might people find this movie cheesy, Christina? Oh, gosh. Why would they find it cheesy? I don't feel like, uh, I mean, maybe there are a few silly moments in there um, with one of the characters, Marisol. Yes. And her her personality and how she was so persistent with getting kind of what she wanted <laughs> and how she went about doing that. I would say maybe. And, and just the, the, the series of events that happened throughout the, the movie that that seemed silly. Yes. In comparison to the severity of I had thought it was like a very dark Hallmark movie. And I say that in the best way possible in that it has some themes that Hallmark does not touch like attempted suicide and uh, depression and things of that nature. But it oh, also. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and actually, can we say that? And since we're towards the beginning and I meant to say that beforehand, this movie and this conversation does talk about things like. Um, uh, suicide and depression, and so if maybe you don't want to hear something yeah. about and pregnancy that, loss, then maybe you might and mental illness. To to um, so <laughs> and so when I say you know back to the the yeah. sort of Hallmark comparison yeah. that I could see the Hallmark version of this being grumpy mean man widower for Christmas. You know, adorable family moves in across the street. Love ensues. You know, and that's kind of what happens. 
but the <laughs> darkest possible version of that. So I think that uh-huh. to some people, the cheesy part might be the redeemed by love yeah. of, of good family, blah, you know, kind of thing. But I, I am obviously a widowed person. Um, those of you <laughs> don't know that I am. And the auto character played by Tom Hanks in this movie, we find out very early has lost his wife uh, fairly recently. And can I say, like, the first scene, what he's doing in the first scene? Oh, gosh, where were they? I don't know. They, well, I feel like they were so... It was definitely winter. It To me, it, it gave, like, a Chicago there or a, something like that. But it, he lives in a, a obviously obvious city in the United okay. States. And he is really cranky and yelling at people at the hardware store. You think he's just a cranky old guy. He's trying to buy rope. And you think he's just cranky. He's buying a rope to hang himself. Uh, because his wife has died and he doesn't want to live without her. And he is very, like he is with everything, very matter-of-fact about it. He loved her. She's not here. He doesn't want to be here anymore. He hates everybody. Um, and he's over it. So I, mean, I think even he was over it, it being life anyway. And now he didn't have any reason to hang around, so he is going to kill himself. And several things happen in the movie where he tries a couple times to and does not. And I think that some people might go, Oh no, attempted suicide played for laughs. Um, but it's not laughs like ha ha funny, funny, like a Monty Python movie. It's like, there's a reason that this isn't working. There's a almost spiritual cosmic reason. At one point, the Marisol character says, you're really good at dying. You're really bad at dying, which made me laugh so much. So, He's a mm-hmm. cranky dude. He's on the street. He's now even madder because he's still alive. And you get to meet some of his neighbors. There's an annoying <laughs> couple. The uh, woman has this dog that she carries everywhere. And the husband is literally all the time doing like stretches and lunges and stuff in the street. And you don't know why he can't just do that in his house. But he's out there <laughs> in his little like 80s shorts, you know, with his thigh showing. It's They're terrible people. Um, there is a nice black lady who you find later has a husband who had been friends with Tom Hanks. She, the four of them, the two couples have been friends and then something stupid happened and they weren't friends anymore. Now the husband is disabled. He's had a stroke. They have an estranged son. Uh, there is a family that moves across the street. Um, let's, so let's talk about, about the family. Cause that's kind of like when the, um, when the action really kind of like starts, um, mm-hmm. In a way. So, so Christina, tell us about, you talked a little about, about Marisol. Tell us about Marisol and her family. Yeah. So Marisol and her husband are getting ready to move in across the street from Otto. And the first thing you see is her husband trying to back in with this truck <laughs> in the trailer. And, and of course, Otto is so annoyed by everything and everybody. He's like, what are you doing? You idiots, you know, and basically takes over and says, let me show you how to park this car. And Marisol right away kind of connects with him and says, exactly. I've been trying to tell him how to do this. Although she doesn't know how to drive herself. (laughs) She's telling her husband. So um, that, that was their first encounter with uh, Otto and his new neighbors. Um, And then, you know, they go about their day. He helps them. Okay. Boom. And then she comes over, Marisol yes. comes over to uh, Otto's house, Tom Hanks' character, and says, with both her, she and her husband, and just basically brings him a home-cooked meal. She is Mexican-American and says, hey, I have this for you. You need food. But at the same time, hey, can we borrow something? We need to borrow, I can't remember, was it the ladder first? Or I think, oh, no, no, no. It was the- um, Wrenches, right? The Allen, and he called it Alex wrench? Alvin, the, Alvin husband, wrenches. Alvin wrench, <laughs> yeah. Her husband called it an Alvin wrench. And so that kind of set up the, the, the space for what this was going to be about. So you got this woman who is fiery, she- is re- pursuing and relentless in whatever she wants. And her husband's just kind of like a, a goofball. Right. Um, and they have two babies. She's pregnant. Yes. And, and one on the way. Yeah. And, right. And they turn, when he turns around, remember um, there are two kids in the back of the car and they're like, hi. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, I think that right away. Um, now, I, now I'm trying to remember, had he already started, had he already, um, attempted the first 
suicide mission, if you will, I, when she, or I was that after. I want to say. I can't remember now. So I think he was standing. I think he met them outside. If I have this wrong, I'll check. And somebody can yell at me later if you're listening to this, if I have this wrong. But I want to say that maybe them knocking yeah. on the door was the first interruption that he I had, believe that so. he was maybe then trying to to, to hang Getting himself. Getting ready to. Yeah. Right. And that's what it was. And then they knocked on the door mm-hmm. and asked for the wrenches and she had the the right. food and that's how he didn't because mm-hmm. he actually liked the smell of it and my husband who was from san antonio when she described the food was like oh he was very excited yes. we were like you know that's yes. good you know that tasted right. delicious um yeah and so he get, had a reprieve because he sat down and and ate yeah and, and it was kind of like that was just a a delay you know just another yeah. delay for him to not follow through with you know, taking life and it it almost gave him. And also when I saw him eat the food, it was just this little tiny glimpse of hope, this little tiny glimpse of, Oh, okay, this is good. So I'll stick around for a little bit longer because this is good. Right. It was like those moments kept happening. Well, and I think that at that point is when he had started to put the rope around his neck and then they knocked on the door. He actually later, not long later has an actual attempt where Mm -hmm. he is, put the thing yeah. around his neck and is the beam falls yeah flailing and the right. thing comes out of the uh, out of the the beam falls um yeah and um oh and another thing that has happened earlier i think earlier in the movie or maybe right after that is that oh it's, it happens before that is that he's yes. called um all of his utilities people to shut off his um power and his yeah. everything and, and, and he's retired as well we didn't mention that he retires and there's this hilarious scene my son was watching that part with me where he retires and by the time they cut the cake he's already left he's like all right thank you and they're like first piece for you Otto." and he's like oh never mind Otto left they're like who wants a piece of Otto? yeah he was kind of he was kind of forced into he was it forced too. To he didn't retire. really want to i don't think but he was like, I guess this is what y'all want me to do. Really irritated by that. Because then it's like, what exactly. What else am I going to do with life now? Like, I don't have a purpose. They cut his hours. I think they, they, I think they cut out. his hours. They basically forced him out. And then we're kind of like, here's a, here's a cake with your face on it. He's like, I don't need a cake with my face yeah. on it. Go, Who it wants a piece of auto? Oh, and they ate his face. To me, this movie said so much about so many things. Obviously, I will always pick up on the grief parts. And the widowhood parts, but also talks about what family is, like Lynn says. It also talks about how we devalue older people and decide that they don't have any worth to us, both economically or socially. There's a subplot that runs through where you find that there is a company who's trying to buy the houses in the neighborhood that is trying to get his neighbor evicted. Um, basically she has, it's very dirty and it was, it's, it was almost like too villainous, but I know that things like this happen where basically Mm -hmm. this company is trying to get rid of the people in a neighborhood like this. Many of your homeowners and your holdouts are older. So this woman who had been friend in the couple with her husband and Otto and Otto's late wife, uh, her husband is very ill. And so they call the company, just to be concerned, haha, calls the son who they haven't spoken to in 10 years and says, hey, your your parents are doing really badly. Your mother can't take care of your husband, and, of, her fa- of your father, her husband. And to the point where they had his personal medical information and at one point kind of threatened Otto, go, oh, Otto, you know, you don't need this house. You with your bad heart. He's like, how do you know about my heart? They're like, this is, um, <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, right. It's I, I have a question for yeah, you, though, exactly. Leslie, because I did think about you. I think about you often oh, when it comes you. to, I really do, um, when it comes to grief. And how does it strike you when you see movies like this? How long has it been since Scott passed? Eight years. Wow. Which wow. is insane to even say. Right, but, right. Um, you know, it really depends on how it goes. I think that... I mean, we were not married very long. We were married five and a half years together, six and a half years, although we known each other for like 30. So mm-hmm. um, it was a 30, almost 20, 30. It was a long time, something like that. So 
all that to say is that Something this like that. movie is about a couple who was more traditionally widowed in that they had been married for a very long time and they were both older and his wife had passed away and <laughs> this is so terrible to say. It's not terrible. It's just the way it is. I have been single more than I've been partnered in my Got life. Got it. Okay. So even though I miss the person that I was married to very, very much and I miss the life that we could have had together. I all I knew how to have a life without him because I always had, mm. and now I have again. So I think Otto, and also I have. They don't have children in the in the movie. I have a child. I had a very young child. He wasn't quite two years old mm -hmm. uh, when I was widowed. So I had to to keep moving, which is not to say that people who are younger do not become very depressed and decide that they don't live anymore. That happens. Depression is real. Grief is mm -hmm. real. Grief is a monster. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I found this really realistic because he wasn't hysterical about it. Mm -hmm. He had a plan. Like Lynn said, he called his utility companies. You know, he knew what he was going to do. Um, and he went and bought a rope. I mean, this wasn't a, a spur of the moment thing. And I had to say that it, it was heartbreaking, but he thought he had thought this through. Now, of course he finds that the towards the, as the movie progresses that he might not have thought this through as quickly or that, he, as you said, Christina, he had, he's found other things to live for. Mm -hmm. But I, I also thought that the grief part was real because they had been collectively grieving their child who had died. Um, they mm -hmm. were in a, a terrible train crash when the wife was very bus pregnant. crash, bus crash. Yes. And, um, by the yeah. way, Lynn, do you know how I knew something about you? Okay. So there is a song. There is oh. a song that was used. In, it's a Kate Bush song that Maxwell, of course, has redone. Um, but it is Kate Bush's version of this woman's work. And the first time that we came into contact with this song was during a very similar situation in a movie in, from 1988, I think, called She's Having a Baby. It was a John Hughes-directed movie with Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern. And there's a scene where you believe that she might be losing the baby where all of a sudden people start, they push him out of the room. People start running into the room, In delivery room, into the delivery room and there's coding and there's everyone's yelling or whatever. So he's imagining sort of like scenes of their, um, their life and their pregnancy and stuff. And he's crying and crying. Kevin Bacon is very sad. Um, and so when they started playing that song in that scene, which was anachronistic, you know, because that would have been, what, like the 70s, maybe? Yeah, I believe so. You mean in the movie? When, yes. Yes. Yeah, I when, believe when, it was the 70s. When, yes. when, and like so it, yeah. that song's from the 80s. So I don't mm -hmm. mind anachronistic movies when it works. Because, you know, someone saw that and said, guess what song we're going to use? Um, so it was super triggering to me, but in a really beautiful way. And I mm. thought, is this going to seem cheesy because of the reference, the obvious reference to the Kevin Bacon movie? Because someone knew. You don't mm. just pick that song in a miscarriage scene out of nowhere, right? Mm. Lynn, what did you think of that? Yeah, well, you had told me, I think, that it was that, that song was in it. So when it, and I'd forgotten it, but when it happened, I was like, oh, crud. Um, but so that's one thing about this movie is that a lot of it is in flashback, mm -hmm. is, um, is Otto thinking about um, meeting his wife, and he meets his wife when he has gone to enlist into the army, but because he has a heart condition that was hereditary, he's not able to enlist. And so he happens to be, he gets turned away and happens to be at the train station going one way when he looks across the way and sees this lovely young lady going in the opposite direction, but she drops a book and she gets on the train. And so he actually runs, goes around, grabs the book and gets on the train with her going the wrong way. The wrong train and doesn't sit. Yes. <laughs> right. And the guy, the guy's like, you're supposed to be the other way. And so they get off together and that's how they start. They get off of the train together and that's how they meet. She goes, you can take me out to dinner. And it's very sweet. And, and that's how their whole thing starts. So there's so much flashback and you could tell like there were things like, no children weren't mentioned so you figured there were no children but then there you see like a crib and you're like we're all of isn't going good and then she gets pregnant and and then it you know that something not wonderful has has happened mm -hmm. like even if there was a surviving child the child isn't around right so you knew that there's still some you're trying to like guess all of the 
things that can go wrong or have gone wrong because now we're in the, you know, 2020s. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. So, it was a lot. Christina, yeah, what, it was. Were, were you previously a Tom Hanks fan? Tell me about your relationship with the, the work of Tom Hanks before this. Yes, movie. yes, yes, yes. I love Tom Hanks. Um, I mean, back to bosom buddies in the eighties, we used to watch that when I was a kid. And then, uh, you know, I've watched a couple of his other films, of course, um, with Meg Ryan, um, was it Sleepless in Seattle and mm. You've Got Mail. But what took him over the top was, of course, Castaway for me. I, I just was like, dude, <laughs> what? You know, just his ability to carry pretty much the whole film by himself and yeah. bring you in in such a strong emotional way like i don't know any i haven't talked to anybody who's watched that film and when wilson floats away you're not crying your eyes out you're just like i can't even handle this right now so yeah uh so anything with tom in it i am i'm all for it i i just and actually i was really surprised i didn't know what to expect going to this film going Mm -hmm. into it i had no idea that it would be dealing with such a heavy subject matter I was thinking that he was a driving instructor <laughs> and then it was just kind of his ah! life as a driving instructor. Um, so that was, I don't know. I mean, obviously he had that little stint with Mar- Marisol, but um, I have a question. Do you feel like he was on the spectrum in the film? I do. Oh, you way. do? Okay. I did too. I do. I, and, it, and we know that during that time they didn't really have any, concept of that because it's like they would call you oh he's weird or he's strange or he's off he's slow slow." Mm -hmm. but he was obviously a very highly functioning person Mm -hmm. so i don't think it would have occurred to anyone say to um to institutionalize him or that kind of thing but no i do believe that the character at least the way that the younger actor played the character which is his son son. yes i know i was gonna say which is amazing that's tom hanks son that played it's Tom Hanks' son. That, wait, that what, played his younger that? self. Colin? No, it's not his Colin. His name's Truman. It's another one. Truman. Truman. Okay, I had Truman. no idea. I yeah. was like, because he looks so much like him. It's so yeah. funny because you, when there's a there's a flashback scene where he's now older, and they they put uh, it's Tom Hanks now playing the character who's still younger than the current Otto, and they, he's got like black uh, polish in his hair or whatever. And I was like, wow, they did a really good job because you barely notice. I mean, they, the transition. Uh-huh. Well, that makes sense. But, yeah, I think that the character as a younger person, the way that he kind of held himself, mm-hmm. this is going to be a weird reference. You know he reminds me of? And I think this character may have been on the spectrum, too. The character Oz from Legally Blonde, who was like oh, the, dorky, the dorky student yeah, who was yeah. in her law, law class, um, who, yeah, who helped her out. Yeah, Um that guy felt he's um Tony Perkins' son, son, yeah, yes, yeah. Oz Perkins from Psycho, Oz Perkins, yes. So that he reminded me a little bit. He held himself that he was somewhere between at least you know shy and socially awkward. But I thought that yes, that there might be mm-hmm. a, a suggestion. No one ever says it, you know, but I right. thought there might be a suggestion of that. Yeah, he was very, he's very intelligent, um, very calculated in his thinking and processing. Um, and even the the sort of courting or dating process that he had with his wife, uh, I thought the really a really cute scene was when they did go out and he didn't order anything. Oh. And she's like, why aren't you order- eating? And he's like, because I wanted you to have the meal and or essentially saying, this is for you. Um, and... You know, just she seemed like such a kind hearted person, too. She was she drew out of him. Yes. The best. And I think that's probably a large part of the struggle, too. He's because he did Mm -hmm. say that in so many words, like my world is gone. She was everything to me. Like she pulled out my best, you know, because all you we didn't see parents or siblings on either side with them so so you just get this idea that it was their world together for so many years and and by the way leslie thank you for that perspective about you 
just saying how for your time being married, less than it's been single, which yeah. makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. It just, it's just well, such an interesting perspective. I know, Lynn, you were going to say something. It's an interesting perspective, too, because I always wonder in these situations who's widowed. <laughs> like, is anybody who wrote this or is anybody in the production or whatever? Because they just, I just think they got it right. Um, so, anyway, go ahead, Lynn. Well, that's one thing I was going to say perfectly leading out of what you all were saying about not knowing if they, if he or the wife had, uh, family like biological family but what we find out is that he actually had family on the street that prior to his wife's death they had the one neighbor who you thought was sort of kind of annoying it was always like talking to him asking him how he was it's because he considered him family because he said to says to marisol i used to eat here a lot Mm -hmm. i was i was here a lot and he had the other neighbors, like you mentioned, Leslie, who were the couple friends of theirs. Um, they were they were bosom buddies and were the best of friends. And so it's very interesting that he actually had a community that he didn't recognize that he right. had because she was his tie to everything. Mm-hmm. Because she and the wife of the other uh, husband and wife couple had become friends and then he became friends. And then when he had this falling out with the husband and the other company, a couple, they were still friends. She and the wife, and yeah. the the two wives were still friends. So it's so interesting that there were people who actually cared about him and who actually missed him being a part of their lives, but he didn't see it because the loss of her was so great and he saw her, it seemed to me, he saw her as his lifeline Mm -hmm. into the rest of the world. And now that that lifeline was literally gone, Mm -hmm. there was no reason for him to be here anymore. But you, but you find out again, as the movie goes on that he had had a connection to people. There's a part, there a young man, is he handing out flyers for a restaurant? The guy who had been a student of his wife. On the oh, bike, right. Yeah, I think he's like, I think it's newspapers. I think he's de- newspaper. delivering like newspaper or something, some kind of paper. <laughs> some know. kind of the paper. Student. And yes. he's like, the student. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and the student was like, you're Mr. Anderson. And he's like, yes. Mm-hmm. He goes, I was your wife's student. Uh, you used to come to school and do presentations. Because Otto can build anything. He's an engineer. He can build anything. Right. And, and fix anything. And... um he winds up, it turns out that this, this young uh, man is, is trans and the, his wife was, Otto's wife was, was this kid's teacher and was one of the first people to actually like accept him and, and tell people and refer to him as him. And um, again, Otto didn't realize that he himself, not just his wife, but you made a difference. I remember you. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was... And that was different. So as the movie goes on, and again, there are several times during the movie that he tries to kill himself. He, so he um, asks the wife of the couple that they were friends with, she asks him to fix something in their heater. And he says, well, wait a minute. If I fix your heater, can I borrow your garden hose? Mm. And you're like, oh, that's cool. It's because... He is going to try to kill himself mm-hmm. with the hose out of his car and in the garage. And that was a wild scene is that the friend, the husband friend, figured out what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because remember, he tries to grab the hose. Yeah. Oh, yes. Now, OK, you know what? I didn't even pick up on that part in terms of why he grabbed the hose. I just thought he was like, no, I'm not, you're not taking this because I don't want you to take anything from us. But uh, okay. Well, he he makes- says to him, I think he says to him, I'm not going to be here or something like I'm leaving or I'm getting out of here or something. Okay. He says to the husband. That's right. Thinking that, of course, he can't react. So this is a safe person to tell because he can't stop you. And that's why he grabs. Okay. I think that's why, right, Leslie? Yes. Why he grabs the hose like that. Okay. But he can't say stop. Because he can't speak. I think the husband has had a stroke, maybe, and is nonverbal. Yeah. Um, Wow. I didn't even, that's so, so interesting that you picked up on that. Because I didn't even think, because I wondered, I'm like, why is he grabbing hold of that so tightly and, you know, trying to figure, you know, but that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. That was good. Oh, Um, Lord. 
Oh, there was something else I was going to say about, I just, I think what the overarching pull takeaway from me is that the connection in life, we have no idea the impact that we make on people in just the smallest ways. Like we make more impact on people we don't know than, than we do, I think. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was just really evident through his neighbors Every person that was somehow connected to him made sure that he stayed alive. It was like, and they didn't even know, like they didn't even know what they were doing, but it was this divine intervention of it's not time yet. And Mm -hmm. then I also love the part when um, Marisol, the the neighbor, finds out that he has a heart condition, his heart is enlarged. He has an enlarged heart and she's laughing and she goes, you're kidding me. Like you have a big heart. There's no way. Just the, um, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How, uh, I don't know why I'm trying to blank. The, it's just the, the opposite, you know, it's like the juxtaposition. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, like where are words? Um, but yes, just how he is just not that guy. He's not nice. He's very mean, very stingy, very selfish. (laughs) And yet his heart physically is big. (laughs) And that's what um, is, is this really funny about that little, that little piece. And I, that's so clever in the writing too. Cause it's like the Grinch, like reverse Grinch. Yes. um, Mean God, mean (laughs) God, big heart. Um, What? How does that happen? Mm -hmm. Um, But also I, as a journalist, I kind of snickered at the, the young woman who was like the blogger lady. You know, no. Oh, so talk about talk about how she sh- how she winds up with him, Leslie. Okay, so what- something Otto against his better nature becomes a hero because he is not a person who wants to like he's literally actively trying to die, but he also is not a terrible person, <laughs> and right. he's um. This is maybe what I thought it was in Chicago because I think that all trains are yeah. while you were sleeping, but yes. um. <laughs> She like him while you were sleeping, except for he doesn't marry this person or try to marry them. Um, he sees a guy fall on the tracks, and no one, everyone's recording with their phone, and no one's doing anything. That was and wild. So Otto, crazy. Otto is like he's waiting for someone else to do something, and he goes because he was about to because he was about to kill himself. Yes, and he's like, "Can't you do? Aren't you going to do anything?" He goes, "Fine." So he guns in. He pulls the guy. He's like, "The train is coming. The train is coming." Pulls the guy. A bunch of people, of course, the people that didn't do anything are taking a video and post it. So this young woman shows up very chirpy. This is one of the scenes I left all the way through the scene shows up at Otto's um, and he's in his, in his garage. She's standing outside of his garage and she's like, my name is whatever her name is. And I'm a, oh, so funny. Inter- I'm a, you know, independent, you know, podcaster, crime journalist, whatever. And you know, we basically, you're a he- so- social media, social media journalist, social media journalist. Yes. So, <laughs> What is that? Anyway, so she, okay, I'm sorry, going to be old, old lady journalist over here. Anyway, so she says to him, people have, you've not seen this video? And he says no and shows him the video of him saving the guy. He's like, oh, now more attention. So at one point, he doesn't want anybody to know on the block that, that he's done this. He hasn't told anybody. So she's talking. He locks her in his garage. That it was, was so hilarious. Funny. Crazy. Like, what? And he's just talking. It's like, because the, even though now you've trapped someone in your house you're basically kidnapping somebody that was better than letting anyone know he's like the guy from up i would say i heard someone describe totally the guy from up where he just wants to be with his wife yeah you know he wanted to be left alone and he Mm -hmm. wanted to fly off you know with a bunch of balloons on his on his house and tom hanks wants to kill himself and neither of them want people in their business and so um that that scene was just really funny and the connection i had mentioned the subplot and i want to ask exactly what you guys thought of that how did you how i haven't read the book so i don't know if this is in the book the thing about the evil people trying to take the old people's houses it seemed like it was like extraneous but there was a point for because i felt like there was so much other stuff happening that was redemptive like his love of growing love of marisol's family or his connection to the family that he had been once close with and wasn't or the young man that had been his wife's student and the, and did we mention that, you know, evil gentrifiers are coming for your house, old man and trying to, they literally came, the guy comes to the door of the neighbor's house 
with the county people to take her husband away mm-hmm. because they've gotten some power of attorney from their son who hasn't cared about them in 10 years because they sort of exaggerated what was happening and made it seem like it was just so terrible and she couldn't take care of him rather than being a proud woman who wanted her husband to be in his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think of that storyline? Uh, go ahead, Lynn. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say what's very interesting is so he they live in some kind of subdivision that actually has a gate on either side that you have to open for people to be able to walk, to drive onto their block and all the houses are these townhouses, right. Um, or houses that all look alike. Yes. And, and Certainly that was homes. a thing. Yes. Right. And, but what was so interesting though, that, that, that was like you said, like a Hallmark movie ish, the bad people are coming. But what was interesting is that, they talked about how the neighborhood had changed and about how the the woods above them across had had gotten turned into condos. Mm. And so where I live in Annapolis, so probably eight, seven, eight years ago when my son was very young, my son is almost 11. So when he was maybe like two or three, we saw the houses um, above our street get torn down mm. and uh, old houses and some wooded areas and get turned into luxury townhouses and some single family homes. And so it was so funny because the view that Otto had from his house of those houses being demolished looked like the view that we have from my house of those houses being demolished and took down. Now, again, I don't think anyone got displaced because I think a I, I don't know this if someone knows this in Annapolis. I think there was an old house that was there that I don't think anybody was in anymore. But again, that sort of struck me as not convoluted because I saw that happening. And we know about, Leslie lives in, you know, you all both live in the Baltimore area, the lands of gentrification, right? And where where neighborhoods don't look the way that they used to. And and that's a whole nother thing. I mean, I, I here in Annapolis and I haven't been in Annapolis. We've been here for 11 years. I know that there are neighborhoods that the highways got built through, mm-hmm. you know, most uh, of mostly them black, black neighborhoods. neighborhoods. That's a, most of them black. Yes. And that's a whole nother thing about, about displacement yeah. and literally building things. That's you're talking about Chicago, right? That they built, the highways and they put that built the L like through neighborhoods. So people couldn't get literally to break up black neighborhoods. But that's a whole nother conversation. He's got an interstate running through his front yard. And he thinks he's got it so good. Thank you. Oh yeah. The black man and living in a black neighborhood. John Mellencamp told us this in 1982 and we weren't listening. Mm. He seriously no. was that song. The first and someone tried to tell me I was wrong. I, I wrote that once on mm. Twitter, and yeah, I was like, he wrote about gentrification and the what then was just like the running uh, through r- destroying black neighborhoods by putting the interstates through them. And someone goes, that's not what he was talking about. And I go, he literally said that. It's literally in the lyrics. There's a black man mm. in a black neighborhood, interstate running through his front yard. I don't know what else, how much plainer Mr. Mellencamp Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp can make it for you. <laughs> Man who don't who wants to believe that nothing is about racism. Anyway, I will say that this movie wasn't about racism, although you know you do have, you know, some multi you know, a multicultural cast. You know, Marisol yes. and her husband are in a. Is he white? I believe that they were like a interracial couple. Um, well, he was Latin. Yeah, he, he was Latin. He said that he. We, she said, "Where are you from?" Right. And he said, B- "Whatever it was, like some American city." But he he had a he had a, a Spanish accent. Right. Okay. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she clearly said and, Mexico. She's from yes, Mexico. She, the, Mexico. Uh-huh. She Mexico. But uh, but real quick, I glad you kind of brought up the race thing because whenever there are um, multicultural, multi ethnicities in a movie, I I tend to go there and just wonder from a writer standpoint where they were coming from. Yes. Um, but I noticed the the strength of the female both for Anita, the neighbor, taking care of her husband, and then Marisol as the strong woman. You've got these two minority women that are highlighted as the strength of the home. And I don't know, did that, did that, 
stand out to you at all? Um, it, it stood out to me when he says, when Otto says to Marisol, you know, you're basically the only person holding that family together. You know, he's mm-hmm. very frustrated because she doesn't drive. When we meet her, she right. has her learner's permit, but she does not drive. And he's like, your husband's a goofball. <laughs> You're about to give birth any second. You got these two kids. And he says that it's almost a, like a statement because he's not nice to anyone initially. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like a statement of like pride, but also it's an insult to her husband that he's implying that her husband doesn't do anything and she does everything. But... Yeah, I saw that also because, you know, the woman who was the the friend who was taking care of her husband. I mean, obviously, these caretaking situations happen in every type of marriage. Mm -hmm. But I've seen it a lot in black marriages just because I know a lot of black people and old people. (laughs) And so (laughs) the fact that this woman is, you know, that's what you do. It's like you're the caretaker. No one asks you to do it. You just do it because – and like I said, they – keep saying that they have a son who appears to be at least somewhat financially successful who doesn't talk to them and that doesn't really talk they don't really talk about why and mm-hmm. i like that too by the way because sometimes it just is and if they had made it would have been very hallmark if they had gone to every single person's background and talked about everything also in a hallmark movie the son would have shown back up Right, and, and exactly. said, right. no, I had a change of heart. Please don't sell my parents' home. Also, is it Christmas? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll see. Will... <laughs> well, see, here's the other thing, too. I was a little, um, I felt somewhat for Marisol's husband because his character was made out to be like an idiot, pretty much. I mean, he just yeah. didn't know much, and he's kind of. I'm like, yeah, how did you even hook up with the guy? Like, what, what are we doing here? Um, and I wonder why that was why he was portrayed that way. Because I feel like if he, if that was a black couple, I'd probably be even more frustrated that you would portray a black male as someone who doesn't have the ability to handle business on behalf of his family, you know? And so I wonder if you're a Hispanic, would you be feeling that way looking at this going, yeah, why would you make him out to be so incompetent? What was, no, yeah. And also too, but what was interesting, so just as this black woman, this Mexican woman are holding their families together, the white woman who had been married to Otto really was the glue, the glue. in some ways yeah. in their family too. And so it's a theme of women period mm-hmm. doing that. But also too, if you think of, there were no other men who were really kind of stable in the, besides, so his friend, oh, wow. yeah, his, his friend who, they didn't get along, but seemed to be a pretty good guy, but kind of sided against him. So what happened was it falling out is that I think they, Otto had been the, when they were younger, the head of their neighborhood association. And uh, what happened? It was their the, choice the, of cars. I thought like their vehicles. It was a car. It was just because so crazy. It was a car, but also, right? but it was also though the meeting that they had where Otto got, uh, got upset and the guy, um, sided with the rest of the thing, and they and then they got rid of Otto as head of the neighborhood association. Okay. Was so that it, what it was? So there was actually was did he side yes. his? Okay, so the neighbors' names are Anita and Ruben. So Ruben sided with the uh, association to not because what it was, his wife was paralyzed. So you know, trying That's to make what things it was. accessible for her, they weren't really willing to to right. do that. But I, okay, I, don't, right. I and he kept, don't remember that part. He kept talking about the coup. Remember, he keeps yes. talking about, well, well right. until the coup, until the coup. <laughs> it's because he felt unsupported by Ruben. Okay. Um, and that's when they kicked Otto out of the, of being the head of the association. So the car thing was a thing that that uh, Ruben was into Fords and um, Otto was into Chevys. Yeah. And so that was the thing, but that was just sort of like an underlining thing. But yes, okay. there were no really, but all of the men, like the horrible dude from the um, real estate place mm-hmm. that wanted to throw him out of the house. And then there was, you know, the guy and the couple, the couple with the dog who were awful. 
And then the and then the one dude who you think is kind of a jokey jokester, but who actually really cared about him, the mm-hmm. one who was like just kind of weird. He was kind of strange, like the way he was so robotic walking around, like "Hello, Otto. Good morning." Is that the one you're talking about? Right. Yeah, that dude, right. Okay. And it turned out he said we actually used to be like family. I used to be over here eating all the time, and so there really weren't a a lot of men who actually were portrayed in absolutely um, strong, you know, uh, ways in this movie. But I see what you say. It, it was that the, the neighbor, even though he was portrayed as in some ways not being reliable, he loved his kids mm-hmm. and his kids loved him. And he played Luchador, which yes. is Mexican, uh, mm-hmm. um, wrestler with his kids and so it, you know how in a lot of the like the 90, 80s and 90s sitcoms where the husbands were like idiots like that kind of thing so i hate that was sort of seemed like a throwback to that mm-hmm. but it, but he was respected by his children mm-hmm. and that he wasn't good he wasn't handy he fell off the ladder <laughs> so that was kind of like but that's interesting yeah. interesting christina um i i know if you're talking about like stereotypes and in and such i i i have those thoughts too and i again it's a whole other conversation because the world is varied and wide i know there are people who think whenever you see anybody besides white people you're woke and i hate that word i will never use it again in this conversation because i hate it because woke actually meant wake up because people are out to get you and yeah that's a whole nother conversation Mm. but but i know there are people who think that whenever you have multicultural things that you're only doing that because you want to cater to people who are in the fantasy land but that's not that's not true but i but i sometimes do think though so sometimes like how things get cast and how things get written but it made sense in this world like here on our street when we moved in i was pregnant i just found out i was pregnant actually the day before we moved uh into this house but our neighbors (laughs) are a interracial couple the husband is white the 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 wife is black and she said to us she said this is one of the most um integrated streets you're going to find in Annapolis. Annapolis is very segregated in some ways and that we have all kinds and all ages uh on our on our on these sort of two blocks of the streets that I live on mm-hmm. and um I don't know it was it was interesting that's such a interesting question. I think everybody of every race equally got to look bad mm-hmm. in this movie because you had like the son of the black couple who we never saw, but he was awful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was bad, evil white dude from the, mm. you know, um, the association or from the, so- yeah. yeah, from the people the the, who were trying to, to buy his house. Yeah. Um, that's such an interesting, mm-hmm. that's such an interesting question. We could totally have like, if we ever had like a Patreon where people supported us, we could have our own like off. We should do that again at some point. We could have our own like side conversation where we, you know, ask for a bonus conversation about uh-huh. all of this. Well, I thought he was white, the husband. So I, I'm no help in that conversation whatsoever. <laughs> um, and you can be, there are white Hispanic people. There are white, white people of Spanish who are Spanish like European Spanish and not never mind. Anyway, and not mm-hmm. like indigenous or Ristizo or whatever. So anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, <laughs> I thought that dude was white. So I, I that whole conversation didn't um didn't affect me at all. So I was like, oh no, I missed something, which is terrible because usually I think I miss that I, I miss little, but I guess it just went over my head. Um do we want to talk about what happens at the end? Do we want to spoiler alert Well well, yeah, let's do spoiler alert. Maybe I'll write it also when I do the notes for this show, the written notes for this show, is that um, so Otto, who has been coming out of his shell more and more and actually um, becoming friends with and telling Marisol about his wife and and he takes in this teenager who gets kicked out of his house and and still doesn't have um, power at his house. Right, that's it's still true. cold. Uh, it's but he um, he basically finds out that about this um, plot 
Um, he's never liked the people from the real estate place, but he finds out about the plot of um, this couple, this other couple being forced out of the home because it turns out that the wife has Parkinson's and they've convinced the son that your 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 mother can't take care of your dad and his power attorney, like Leslie said. And so basically she, he never knew that she had Parkinson's because they didn't want to, they wanted to keep it from them because they said Otto and his wife had enough to deal with. Mm. So he had no idea that she was also sick. So he basically puts on his engineer taking care mm-hmm. of business hat and they basically, um, find out that the way that they have gone to try to get these people houses fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And um, when the guy is like, who's going to take care of them? Their neighbor, the walking neighbor um, is like, they're my family and I'll take mm-hmm. care of them. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this sort of, it becomes a, a family. And Otto is again, the hero and the social media journalist comes in and, and covers it. Cause basically everyone's taking pictures and that's why the people go, away and Marisol has her baby and they the kids are already from the beginning calling him abuelo there's a hilarious part he babysits them and that's funny but there's a part where he goes to the hospital with them and there's a thing with a clown this crazy clown who tries to steal who's like oh I got a cord out of your ear but steals Otto's really expensive valuable quarter Silver, it was silver, right? Yes. And gives him and some, was like, like, okay, gotta go, bye. Don't know what you're talking about. Just a crazy quarter. And Otto, who is... So Otto and the children are bonding, right? They're sitting there, they're in the hospital, and they're bonding, he's reading to them, and he's actually surprised that he's enjoying this. And into this becomes this terrible clown who shows up, and he's like, I'm reading to the girls, back off. And it's like, and, and the girls, of course, are like, it's a clown, yay! Because uh, they don't know the horror. Sorry, producer Sam. The horror. So anyway, um, <laughs> so the clown is not just annoying. He's also a thief, which was like the first you're like, Otto just hates this because, you know, he's a cranky dude. And of course he wouldn't like a clown. And then you go, oh, no, this dude actually jacked his very expensive quarter. Mm-hmm. That was a great scene. It was. It was great. Yeah. It was really. And so, so fast forward to the end. She has a baby. The kids are calling him abuelo. He's hanging out. He he repaints the crib that was going to be his child's crib nah. that they never got to use because they had lost their baby. And okay. um, it's this whole... Can I tell you, by the way, this is something that was... It took me out of it because I'm a literal person because, you know, I do things, these things. I know that you can't... It de- we adopted um, through foster care and our child was six months old when he came to live with us. And they told us that there were certain older cribs we would not have been able to use because mm-hmm. you know they're very if you have your own baby they don't really care what you put them in they're like oh what it whatever it is <laughs> but like but when you're adopting when you're doing foster care or whatever they inspect every piece of equipment you have including mm-hmm. you know there were older cribs sometimes where kids would die because they'd get their head stuck between the slats or whatever or like mobiles mobiles or like any older kind of car seat or whatever so people are being so nice of could you have this do you want that and we're like the social workers saying no so i'm watching Mm. that scene with otto going i wonder if that is an approved uh crib (laughs) and i was like i am terrible and shouldn't even be saying this but yeah it that that's where i was with that wow i didn't know that that's interesting information didn't realize We, we had to change our doorknobs we had to, um, in a house that we didn't own, we had to change doorknobs. We had to change the, um, we had to put locks on the pulls for the cabinets that went under the kitchen where our, and he was like, he hmm. was even crawling at that point. Like, you have to do it anyway. You know, uh, we had to go to the hardware store and buy a new thermometer because the, <laughs> the thermometer that the social worker was using said that our refrigerator was like too cold or not cold enough or something i mean they're just hmm. all of these hoops we had to draw through and i i do understand uh, unfortunately perilous to this one of the reasons that in florida you have to change your knobs is because there was a foster child once who had killed himself on a doorknob and oh, wow. so they had to hang himself on a doorknob so they had to oh, no. change the doorknobs and then when we left, we tried to get the doorknobs put back on, and we knew, and they charged us, and we, this, we don't like this. So they, 
ugh, that landlord. They charged us for the doorknobs. Wow. Yeah. That's Whatever. crazy. It wow. is crazy. Okay. Our child was still alive, so that was fine. Praise you the know. Lord. That, and that whole dude, yeah, I exactly. had a conversation about that guy. Anyway, so um, the good part is that it was a beautiful movie. And so, Lindy, do you want to? Well, well, Christina, tell us, Christina, tell us what happens at the end of the movie. So he oh. becomes friends with them. Spoiler alert. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think this is this is what sums it all up. Just the that Marisol, um, who kind of started the process of pursuing his heart and she didn't even Mm -hmm. realize it, got his heart at the end. She really did. He became this endearing friend to the family, a part of the family. And for, you know, they, they also showed the seasons changing. So you knew it had been a period of time where um, this, this relationship had bonded and to the point where they kind of knew each other's rhythms and uh, Marisol's husband looks across the street, it's snowing. And she, he goes, Otto didn't shovel his part, his, his, uh, his driveway, you know, his front yard. And that was something he always did. Whenever it snowed, he's out there yep. shoveling. And she knew she was like, Oh no, that means something's wrong. She runs across the street, gets up to his room. And yeah, he had already passed. Um, and we just kind of knew, um, and he had already put a letter. He had already prepared a letter, for her to find um, when when that happened. And he basically said, hey, if you're reading this, that means, you know, obviously I'm gone. Um, the, he adopted a cat some yes. some time prior. He said, the cat needs that, da, da, da. And he kind of gives her a list of instructions for his yeah. money. He left, he left her, the, them, the house, his car, yeah. Yeah. money for the kids to go to college. It was just like, yeah, this is crazy. Like he just was, was this changed person by the end of the movie that you could see that you, we couldn't hear him say it, but we saw him live it out by what he gifted <sighs> her family. Um, and so I thought that was interesting how they tied that whole thing together. Marisol was the first one to really uh, get after him and be, and be relentless and um, they became family and, and he gave mm-hmm. her his world basically because he didn't have children. He didn't have his wife anymore. So he's like, this all belongs to you. I loved it. I loved the last the last scene of it his, well, the letter oh he wrote. Yeah. And the social media and- journalist comes back, you know, and does a story. And she says, you know, this, you know, it's a tribute to a guy who was a hero around here. And I thought that was really sweet because that's the kind of thing that you called Otto a hero and he'd want to like punch you in the face or leave. <laughs> and I yes. kind of felt like he wouldn't have minded that so much. Right. He probably would have been like, Psh, you yeah. know, but he wouldn't have minded it so much. I, I loved too that he says in the letter, I didn't do anything stupid. Meaning if I've died, I've died because of my heart. I didn't kill myself. Right, that's true. He wanted her to know that he wanted to live, that he had decided Mm. that his life was worth living. Yes. And that, yes, he was going to take care of everything, but that he wanted her to know from the very beginning that he hadn't done this. He would Mm -hmm. never have done anything to try to be away from her and her family, which I thought was a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Also, it didn't, obviously, it's sad that he died because it's sad when people die, but it was like he lived his life in a beautiful way that was rewarding to him. And he finally felt like he had made an impact um, mm-hmm. on people and people had made an impact on him in a way that he never would have allowed or had mm-hmm. never allowed yeah. before. So, yeah, I just I, I thought it was really lovely. I thought it was once again, Lynn and I have talked on the show that some for some people, the concept of cheese is on the very surface, just a movie that's very earnest, a movie that is that ends happily or with people liking each other that's not super ironic that's not like let's just have a bunch of people hate each other for no reason and so for some <laughs> move people a movie like this which is sentimental mm-hmm. and emotional yes and wants you to want the characters to like each other and find a way to each other they would say that that was cheesy just in general right lynn yes I, and and this movie Number one, you're talking about Tom Hanks. The scene where he's in the hospital and the doctor says to, the cardiologist says to Marisol that his heart is too big and she starts laughing. And Tom Hanks, who can't really speak at that right then, is kind of like, mm, well, yeah, that is kind of funny. That movie 
would not have existed the way on the level it did if it had not been such the fact that Tom Hanks is such an amazing actor yes. and that he finds bits of humor that are completely appropriate in scenes and in situations that are sad. And one thing that I really appreciated about this movie is that I think it dealt well with depression yes. and I think it dealt well with grief and that it it gave it, it had a, it gave a respect to of course you didn't want him to take his life but it gave a respect to the fact that he was depressed mm-hmm. and that he felt a certain yeah. way and he had to get to that point because again it's what he twice he tried to hang himself he tried to gas himself in the car and he tried to step in front of a train yeah so they were four different well he attempts. tried to shoot himself too oh that's right oh five yes that's right i forgot that's so and, the and his, yes and his wife actually talks to him and is yeah and she's like no no he yeah. has yeah. it under his chin that's I right that's that. right so 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 but i what i liked about the movie is that it showed someone coming out on the other side of of grief and depression even though of course he still missed his wife finding another another way but mm. it didn't it wasn't winky winky cute cute at depression no. like right. yeah you 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 knew what was what was going to happen and so i mean you you knew that this could happen but you knew that it was realistic mm-hmm. and i felt that so many movies, we talk a lot about grief, um, you know, with Leslie and her book that she wrote about her husband and she's on a grief, you know, talks a lot about grief and stuff. Yeah. And so we, we see those, those, those Black Widow, um, oh, Leslie's book. We see that in movies, um, but I felt that it was so respectful the way that it was handled it was. in this in this movie mm-hmm. it was so respectful like i said mm-hmm. i was like i called after the movie was over i called leslie and said i hate tom hanks i hate otto i hate marisol i hate everybody in this movie because i am spent <laughs> y'all well, and i will i agree with you mm-hmm. Lynn, that he i think that he'll be remembered as maybe one of the most important actors american actors of of his generation i think mm-hmm. that you know, absolutely. I, I think he will. I think there's a there's a scene in the movie The Terminal where he plays a man from a fictional um, European country who is trapped literally in an airplane terminal because his country ceases to exist while he is in the United States and mm. he cannot get home because there's no home to go back to and it becomes a bureaucratic oh. nightmare and there and there, a version of this actually happened there's that scene the wordless scene where he's watching the television and he's watching everything happen in his country and just the look of horror and terror and what do i do and i was like this man is gifted man this i mean this i and i say that when yeah. I, lynn knows when i say things like man i'm quoting my father my father was a huge Tom Hanks <laughs> fan and mm. also called everybody man so <laughs> When he saw the movie, he was like, "This movie, was, this movie was brutal, man." I was like, "Yes," because he called me "man." I was his daughter. Um, it just, it's just how we talked. But right, um, it was. It, I do believe that had it been written differently, or had it been different actors, Len, like you said, it would have been cheesy. There may have been mm-hmm. a overwhelmingly sentimental bent that was not critical, because they want you to understand Otto was not a nice person. You know, he was not a nice person. He had reasons to not be a nice person, but he kind of hated everybody. Yeah, he <laughs> um, did. And himself. Mm-hmm. And he had blamed himself for, he is telling the story to Marisol of the miscarriage, that he was the one who wanted to travel. Mm. Right. And that his wife was perfectly. To do like a baby move. Huh? To, big to a baby do like mood. a baby move. Yeah, and his mm-hmm. wife was perfectly happy just being in the house. And they'd had a wonderful time, and then she was uh, hurt on the way back. And he blamed himself for it. Um, It was a lot. Yes. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, Christina, I will ask, and we've kind of already answered this, but we always Mm -hmm. ask, after this discussion, do you believe that this thing that we're talking about, this movie, is cheesy? And if it is at all, would you care? I don't believe that it is. I do agree with you that Tom Hanks, 
that's why he's Tom Hanks. He he was the anchor for the whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it were someone else, it probably would be like, ah, mm. Um, so (laughs) it's hard to even fully answer that, but I, I think because of Tom Hanks, it is not cheesy. I do feel the same as you, Lynn and Leslie too, as far as how they handled the subject of grief and depression, um, a a perspective, a perspective Mm -hmm. of how calculated he was. Like it was just very deep in him. He's like, I don't have a reason to live, but I'm going to do this not irrationally it was like he just it was like this way that they presented his attempts at suicide as not just something that you do on a whim it's like i have reasons why and i'm i'm help i'm actually going to do this in a way that is not also notice i'm going to do this in a way that it's not going to be so messy for everybody else yes yes like he was very clear like he covered things he was trying to protect everything he's like i don't want people to have to deal with a lot of crap so i'm going to make sure i do this very carefully but so i thought that was really brilliant how they brought that out um no i don't think it's as cheesy but only probably because tom hanks come on um, so because Tom Hanks. <laughs> well, Christina, where would you like for people to uh, find you and know more about you? We we will put in the show notes. We'll put any social media stuff. But where would you? What are you doing? What do you want to promote? What have you got? Oh, I I want someone to promote to me what they're doing. I have. I need something going on. How, tell me what you're doing and then I'll jump on board with you. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't really, I, I don't do social media as much. Um, the only thing I do is with the station, Bright FM, we have a Facebook group. So if you want to jump in the group, it's just um, Bright FM. Look for Bright FM, Christina James. And I share, you know, some inspirational things, some scripture. Um, Every once in a while, I'll jump on and do a live. Um, And it's really just about positivity in the group and encouraging. Is this on on Facebook and Instagram? Just Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Just Facebook, yeah. I am on Instagram, but I am a consumer, not a contributor. (laughs) So. Wow, cool. (laughs) All right. Well, this was delightful. Mm-hmm. As I anticipated, I would have been gobsmacked if this was not a fantastic conversation because we love Christina. And I so, love you. Um, ah! um, so fabulous. Um, so you, you get we have hearts going. You can't see it because it's just <laughs> audio. But um, we thank you so much for being here Christina and Leslie would you like to close us out I would I just want to thank you guys again for listening and just want to tell you to keep it breezy and keep it cheesy bye bye